Hello and welcome to another Sunday morning podcast. I'm Ray. This time, all about, well, not all about, but mostly about uh, Jubilees, the Queen's Jubilee coming up. Uh, is that next weekend? It's about street parties. We've got a street party arranged. I'm hoping the weather's going to be okay. Looking at it today, it's raining again. We've got wind, strong winds, and it's cold. I was going to get the pressure washer out. We bought a new one. I was going to do the front driveway and the back, uh, the patio around the back. But honestly, I'm not going out there in this. It's cold. This cold wind and it's spitting with rain. So that's a shame. We bought a new pressure washer and I was looking forward to doing that. Not to worry. Plenty of time. <laughs> I hope there's plenty of time left this summer, if we get a summer. So, yes, street parties. Now, uh, Susan uh, came up with the idea originally. Hello, Susan. One or two people asked me if I remember the Queen's coronation in 1953. Well, I was two years old, but I do have some vague recollection of tables, chairs, ice cream, hats, flags, <laughs> and a lot of people. That's all I can remember. So we did do something when I was two in uh, 1953. Email from Paul. Hello, Paul. Paul says he can't remember anything previous to his fifth birthday. So that's a shame. Isn't it funny, this memory thing? I think it must be, I don't know, is it major events? My second birthday wasn't particularly a major event. I was next door, was it next door, uh, on the ladies' front lawn with my mum and it was my birthday and she said, how old are you? And I said, two. I remember that. My mum has confirmed it. I don't remember a great deal before I was two years old. Had an email from Jerry. Hello, Jerry. He says he remembers... His third birthday. Okay, so is it, uh, what I was waiting for is someone to say, I remember like my first birthday. <laughs> but no one has said that. However, I've got a, an email here from Terry. He reckons that he can remember when he was 18 months old. Now that's going back a bit, Terry, isn't it? But he remembers a particular event. There was a fire apparently in, in the house. And not a major fire. He said his mum's told him about it since, obviously. But uh, the cooker, something on the cooker caught fire, frying pan or something. And he remembers his mum taking him out into the garden, sticking him in his pram and then going back into the house and fortunately dealing with the fire. He remembers that and his mother has said he was 18 months old. So that's interesting. Perhaps that was in his mind because, I don't know, his mum perhaps panicked and screamed. So perhaps that's why that's stuck in his mind. 18 months and he remembers that. Good grief. So anyone remember before 18 months? Wouldn't it be fantastic if you could remember being in the womb? I don't know, perhaps you, perhaps not. Anyway, uh, let's move on. So it was the Queen's coronation, obviously, in 53. Now, Trisha's dad, that's my wife, her dad, he was a, a soldier and he was uh, up in London as part, of, not as part of the parade, but uh, standing in a row as they all went by, you know, in, in the, the horse-drawn carriages and everything. He remembers that in 53. I do remember the Silver Jubilee in 1977. Now, in 76, that was that hot summer here in Britain. Do you remember that, 1976? Good grief. I was working in marine electronics at the time which I hated because I don't like boats. I had to go on the boats. I had to go on yachts and uh, things like that, fishing boats down at Southampton, down in Poole in Dorset. 
Shoreham, of course, which is very near to me, sort out things like echo sounder, radar, sonar, ship to shore radio. Very interesting job, but I didn't like going on the boats. And the money was, <laughs> I nearly swore then, the money was dreadful. <laughs> I mustn't swear on the podcast. So yes, that was 76. That's Now what I do with dates, this is strange. If someone says to me, what were you doing in 1981, for example? Now, my son was born in 76, that hot summer. So if someone says, what are you doing in 81? I just think back, okay, my son was five. This is how I work out what I was doing at various times. He was five. That's when we moved from a house to a bungalow. So from that, I know where I was working, what I was doing, where I lived at that time. It's quite a good way of doing it. That hot summer of 76, I remember being in the workshop one afternoon and it was, we had a thermometer on the wall, 90 degrees Fahrenheit, 90 degrees. I don't know what that is in Celsius, but it was stifling in there. And this chap, Pete and myself, as soon as we'd finished work at five o'clock, we got in our cars, drove down the beach. (laughs) We didn't have swimming trunks or anything, just in our kind of underpants, dived in the sea. Well, I say dived. I can't swim. I did, yeah, I sort of jumped into the sea, put it that way. Contradicting myself, are you listening, Bob? <laughs> I didn't dive into the sea. I jumped into the sea. He, he dived and then he said, dove. <laughs> That's the funny quirks of the English language, isn't it? If you drive, you drive or you drove. So you can't say I, you dive or you dove into the sea. <laughs> anyway, that was lovely. I remember that, jumping into the sea and cooling off. Mind you, the sea was hot. So that's a good way of remembering dates. But yes, the 77 Silver Jubilee, where I was, there were no street parties, but I do remember people setting out tables and chairs and all sorts of things and balloons bunting everywhere, flags all over the place. I do remember that. Our street party coming up, we've got the the road closed. Um, Lady over the road's dealt with that. She's got onto the council. The road will be closed from, what is it, 12 till 4 We've got, uh, I've ordered a load of bunting. I'm dealing with the music. So we'll have, I don't know, what should we have? Things like Land of Hope and Glory and uh, There'll Always Be an England. (laughs) Uh, What else? Um, I don't know. I'll sort out some music. I've got a couple of speakers and a decent amplifier. Then there's food and drinks and all that sort of stuff. As, As long as the sun comes out. We did have a street party was it a couple of years ago? I forget what it was about. Nothing to do with Jubilees or anything. I can't remember now. Perhaps it was just an excuse to get together and have a few beers and crack open a few bottles of wine. But it rained. We're all looking forward to the day and it rained. So we people took gazebos out there. We took our gazebo out, set that up on the front driveway. <laughs> We're all sitting there with coats on. I remember that. It doesn't matter. That's the British weather. That's what it's all about. A little bit of wind and rain isn't going to stop us having some fun. So yes, I think we're all set for that, which will be nice. It's also a nice way for neighbours to catch up on things, because especially during the winter, you don't tend to see much of each other apart from a a quick wave and a hello. So it's a a good time to catch up with uh, local gossip and whatever. We do have a WhatsApp group and a Facebook page for the road. And I think, I can't remember how many people there are on that but it's most of the road you know something like 80 85 percent of people in the road are on there which is very useful 
So yeah, really looking forward to that. Looking at the sky at the moment, looking at my flag flying out there on its pole, my Union flag. Wind's coming from the west and it's very strong. And looking north from here over the downs, over the south downs, it is black, low, heavy, rain-laden clouds. <laughs> that looks like fun. So next uh, was, what have I got here? 1981, Charles and Diana get married. I remember that. Oh, that reminds me, Diana emailed me. Uh, Diane, sorry, hello, Diane. She says she remembers when she was two. She remembers in particular because her nan went into hospital and she went to visit her nan in hospital. Apparently, she didn't say what, but her nan was seriously ill, had to have an operation. She was okay. And she remembers standing by the hospital bed and seeing the nurses all going around doing their bits and pieces. And apparently she was, where, where, hang on, where's the, here we are, I've written it, dear. Oh, that was two weeks before her second birthday. So well done, Diane. That's good. I do like people messaging me and emailing, you know, telling me things that happened to them because it's nice. It's not just me thinking of the past. I like to hear what you think, uh, remember of the past and your old days and school days and stuff like that. So who remembers Charles and Diane getting married? I remember that. I remember that. I watched that. On, well, I didn't watch it all on the TV. And I'm, I'm contradicting myself again. <laughs> Here we go. I watched some of it on the TV. I didn't sit there avidly like I, I do know quite a few people did. My, my mother did. Um, various people just sat there glued to the television the whole time. I didn't do that. Because how, how old was I in... Oh, here we go. How old was I in 1981? Oh, I was 30, wasn't I? Born in 51. Yeah, of course, I was 30. That's easy to work out. <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, 30. What was I doing when I was 30? Now, here's the thing. I don't know. I can't remember. Isn't it awful? How old was my, my first son? Oh, never mind. Don't worry about that. So, yeah, I do remember the Charles and Diana. There were mugs and tea cloths and T-shirts, you name it, with Charles and Diana on. Do you remember all that? all the kind of paraphernalia, everything in these sort of gift shops and holiday places, seaside towns like I am in uh, Worthing, all the gift shops had Charles and Diana stuff, a tea tray, you name it, a glass, a mug, a cup, a saucer, a plate, everything had Charles and Diana on it. I do remember that. I wonder how much of that stuff is left. I wonder whether people kept it stashed away in the loft or, or wherever. I've got nothing from that. And then sadly, I do remember 1997 when Diana passed away. I remember when I heard that, I was in bed. So it must have been early morning because I'm always an early riser. I was in bed and I put the radio on by the bed and I heard the announcement, Diana was dead. And I couldn't believe it. I don't think anyone could believe it. I just sat bolt upright. I remember that thinking I must have misheard that. And as the news reader chap was talking about it, I realised it was true. She passed away. How dreadful that was. Because the whole country was in mourning. It was awful. It was obviously so unexpected because she was so young. And, uh, well, you know the story, you know the history of all that, what happened there. Uh, just dreadful. And no one could believe it. That was the, the topic of conversation for a long, long time. And then, of course, uh, when was it? In, uh, 20. 21, wasn't it? Uh, yes, 2021. Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. He passed away. He was 99. We were all hoping that he was going to make it to 100 years old, but 99. I mean, obviously there were no street parties then when Diana went or when 
the Duke of Edinburgh went. We didn't obviously celebrate that in the street. That wouldn't have been appropriate at all. Then there was the 2002, the Golden Jubilee. Yes, now we did. Did we have a street party? Now this I can't remember. I've got an idea in our street here. We did have a street party in 2002. I'm pretty sure we did because I don't know how many street parties we've had here in the road. It must be at least half a dozen over the years. And as I said earlier, not all to do with any particular event. That's just uh, the sun's out. Let's have a <laughs> let's have a street party. A couple of times we haven't even closed the road. We've just said, right, you know, drinks Saturday afternoon. Yep, fine. Drag a, a few chairs out there and sit out there with our, our beer and our wine. Perhaps something to eat. Again, I supply the music and we just have a good old natter and whatever. You don't always need a reason to have a party. I won't mention Boris Johnson or Keir Starmer, but it party gate, beer gate, cake gate, curry gate. Oh, goodness me. Every time I turn the TV or the radio on, that's all I hear. Party gate, beer gate, Boris Johnson. Oh, Starmer. Talking to my mum earlier on the phone. She said, I don't put the telly on anymore when the news is on. I don't listen to the news on the radio. Fed up with it all. I think everyone is. Anyway, we're not here to discuss politics, but uh, we are here to discuss parties. I remember we don't have a barbecue now in the garden because I used to get so hot. I, I built a, a brick barbecue, a big thing, because we had a load of family around in the summer, 20 to 30 people, mainly family. We've got a big family. And I found myself most of the time, I couldn't join in and have a chat with people because I was standing at the barbecue burgers and sausages and what was it salmon your mother-in-law likes salmon there's chicken all these different things and it was constant could you do another couple of burgers could you do a bit more chicken and of course Trish is bringing stuff out from the freezer I'm cooking it so in the end I said right that's it no more barbecues all come round by all means we'll have food and drinks of course but I'm not going to stand at the barbecue in that sweltering heat with the sunshine and the heat from the barbecue I'm not going to stand there doing that. <laughs> so I didn't. But any old excuse, we think, right, it's a lovely day. It's the weekend. It's a lovely day. Phone people. How about a barbie? Pop round. That's the best way to do it. You can't plan things. Well, like I planned to pressure wash the front driveway. I expected sunshine. I planned this at the weekend. I was saying to Trish, look at that. Look at the sunshine. I'm going to do the pressure washing because she's taken the car off out. So the drive is clear. But of course, now, look at that. You can't look, but the clouds, they're very, very low clouds coming from the west, drifting across the, the south downs there. It's going to pour with rain any minute. Still not to worry. I'm in here in my high-tech studio. <laughs> seagulls, the seagulls love the wind because we're, we're only a mile from the sea and they love sitting on the wind. They, they spread their wings. Well, they would do, wouldn't they? Up in the air. They wouldn't fold their wings. Anyway, they sit there. I'm watching a couple now just sitting on the wind and then they'll swirl around in a, a circle and then just sit on the wind again. Fantastic. I was watching, what was it the other day? Now, swifts or swallows, which ones have the forked tail? Is it the swift or the swallow? I can't remember. So I don't know what they were. They had the forked tails and there were a couple of them on that very hot day and they were going up on the thermals. You know how the heat rises? Like gliders go up on the thermals. They were going round and round and round, not flying, just wings spread. 
and they were getting higher and higher and higher. And I was watching them. In the end, I got my binoculars out and had a look. Fantastic. I don't know how high birds go. The air gets thinner, doesn't it, as you increase in altitude. So I don't know how high birds can go. I must look that up. There we are. There's another, uh, <laughs> another bit of useless information for you that I shall find out just out of interest. I do know, I remember my father-in-law saying, when the, the swifts and or the swallows are very, very high, it's going to be really nice weather because they're catching insects up there. Apparently, when it's really good weather, insects go higher and higher. So the birds go higher and higher to catch them and eat them. Something like that anyway. Going back to street parties, I don't remember that many as a child. I suppose it's because it was just the main events, Queen things, royalty things like that. Whereas now, as I said, we just have street party for no reason at all. <laughs> any old excuse sun's out good beer wine food let's go which is great I love that I'm a, a bit of a recluse as I've said before many times so what I like is I like people coming to our house I like that I love all the family every Saturday we have uh, what we call the cafe who's coming to the cafe this Saturday and we've got uh, mother-in-law and sister-in-law and brother-in-law and all sorts of people kids, grandkids and all babies and stuff. It's, it's great fun, uh, most Saturdays. So I look forward to that, especially in the summer when, when we can all be outside. But even in the winter, we do that. We have the coal fire going. And because of the little ones, we've got a huge fire guard to keep them with, uh, from falling into the fire. We don't want any tragedies like that going on. And also some of the adults. <laughs> some of the adults have got uh, what we call the klutz gene. They're forever tripping over things, bumping into things, bruising themselves. So yes, I like people coming here because that means I don't have to go out. <laughs> I do go, obviously, to other people's things. Now, what is it? One of the daughters has said uh, she wants to do a, a, a sort of food, a barbecue thing. So we're all finding a date. It's difficult, isn't it? Setting a date where everyone can go. When you're talking about 20 people or more, you say, OK, it's uh, so-and-so uh, of June. I can't do that because of this. Oh, I can't. We're going there. Oh, we're away for that weekend. And so it goes on. So trying to, I think we've got a date now in July where about 90% of us can make it. But to find a date where everyone can go is very difficult. But I love these, these get togethers. It's terrific. I don't like having a beer in the day. So if someone's having a barbecue and it's a kind of lunchtime afternoon thing, I will drive. Trisha will have wine. If it's an evening thing, Tresha will drive and I will have a couple of beers. So we work it that way, which is quite good. Talking of the summer, we've booked next year's Isle of Wight holiday. <laughs> the place we stayed at, which was fantastic, really brilliant. If you book straight away for next year, you get uh, quite a good discount. So we've done that. We've booked a week on the island next, uh, next May, yeah, May 2023. That's uh, mum-in-law and her friend, and of course, Trisha and myself. I do all the driving, Trish does all the cooking, and the, uh, the old ladies, as I call them, they do all the relaxing, reading their books and having a glass of wine in the sunshine. <laughs> Excellent. It's really nice. I like that sort of holiday. I think I'm now, I've done pubs and clubs. You know, we used to go on holiday to Spain, Portugal, Greece, all that sort of thing. That You know, it's great fun when you're young. But now I really don't want to go to airports. I like flying. I hate airports. 
And also, I don't want to spend evenings clubbing and drinking. I'll have a couple of beers, of course. But the Isle of Wight is just so easy. We nip down to Portsmouth, get on the ferry, and we're there. Holiday starts when we're on the ferry, because we have a, a cup of coffee, look at the view at the Solent, all the ships and everything going on, all the, the sailing boats whizzing around. Great fun. It's only, a, what's the crossing, 45 minutes, something like that. And then we're on the island. Of course, I'm always joking to the kids, oh, we need passports. Really, you need a passport to go to the Isle of Wight? No, 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 of course we don't. Do you know, it's getting dark in here. I'm going to have to put the light on in a minute. Good grief, you'd think it was midwinter. <laughs> Looking out there at the sky, the wind, the old flag's going mad. It's a, it's a Union flag, not a Union Jack. Apparently it's a Union Jack when it's at sea, because it's on the, what is it, the jack, oh, I forget what, it, jack mast, oh, I forget what it's called now, stone the crows, anyway, it's a, a union flag when it's on land, and a union jack, when, jack staff, isn't it, when it's on the jack staff on the ship or the boat, I don't know, email me and tell me, raiserants at protonmail.com, raiserants, all one word, at protonmail.com, looking at a bird over there, sitting, no, a feather type, <laughs> sitting on the TV aerial. You don't get women sitting on TV aerials. He is enjoying the wind. He's having to cling on, though, because he's getting blown around all over the place. We've got now so many birds in the back garden. I've built this sort of cage and this huge bird table thing with netting all around it, or this cage, so only the small birds can get in there because we had seagulls, magpies, pigeons, rooks, huge birds that were just coming down taking all the food and the little ones didn't get a look in. So now we've got this cage idea and it is full of sparrows and starlings, absolutely full of them. In fact, we've got too many. That might sound odd, but we really do have too many. We went down to the garden earlier, we had to get something out of the shed. And I said to Trish, this is like a Hitchcock, isn't it? The film, the birds were going to get attacked. They'll all be coming bashing the house and coming down the chimney. There are that many because we were spending a fortune on bird food and bread when it was the larger birds. And I thought well, the cage will halve, at least halve the cost of feeding all these birds. It hasn't. The sparrows, there are that many. They're eating as much, if not more, than the larger birds did. But it's great to see them. We sit out on the patio watching them. It's fantastic. And the squirrels, of course. The sparrows really do man up to the bigger birds. If a sparrow's got a piece of bread, and a, you know, he'll fly on, onto the shed roof with it, and you get one of the bigger birds come up trying to take it, the sparrows won't have it. They kind of man up and face up to these big birds. And uh, I saw a sparrow the other day, he chased a pigeon away. And the squirrel, he's not frightened of anything. Even the big rooks that come up, the squirrel will just see them off. Yeah, good fun. We've got three or four squirrels, I think. Haven't seen any hedgehogs. Oh, our tadpoles. Must mention the tadpoles. I must look it up how long before they grow into frogs. Our tadpoles are getting bigger and bigger, but they still don't have any legs. Perhaps they're going to be legless frogs. <laughs> legless frogs. Oh, don't. Talking of birds, as in girls or women, which I wasn't. I was talking about the feathered type. There was a big row going on on Twitter the other day. Some chap called this girl a bird. I can't remember the sentence, but he was calling her a bird. Not in a bad way. He was just saying, I, I like birds like you or something. And she took umbrage. She went back to him. Don't you call me a bird. <laughs> I'm a girl. I'm a female. I'm not a bird. 
Anyway, I wasn't referring to girls or women. I was referring to a, I think it was a blackbird. We've got a blackbird. Aren't they loud? There's a huge fir tree in someone else's garden, a few doors away. And there's this blackbird that sits there singing from four in the morning. Do you know, this morning they started at five to four, the dawn chorus. And this blackbird is so loud. I reckon he's got a microphone and a, an amp and a big speaker up in the tree. It's that loud. Then we've got the, the great tit. He sits up right at the very top of this fir tree. There's a, a branch sticking out of the top, which curls over a bit so it's horizontal. And this great tit sits up there doing his soaring sound. It's a kind of... <whistles> like he's soaring wood. You know. <laughs> it's great to see them. We do mainly sparrows uh, and starlings, but we do get some of the great tits coming. I think there are two or three I've seen, which is, uh, which is nice. Trisha's uncle, he lives on a farm out in the sticks. Oh, wonderful. The birds he gets there wandering around the garden. There are pheasants. We've seen there uh, woodpeckers. Uh, is it green woodpecker? Loads of different birds. I can't remember them all. Finches and great tits and all sorts of stuff. Absolutely fantastic to see. And he puts out a lot of food. They've got feeders all around their garden. And he puts out a load of food. That's where I got the idea of the cage from. He's put all this wire netting around them because the larger birds will just take the lot. I'd like to live on a farm. Must be fantastic. No neighbours. The only neighbours you've got are animals, birds. Wonderful. In the field at the end of the garden, that's full of cows. Uh, there are sheep up there in another field that you can see not far away. Really nice. They had a neighbour, uh, someone moved in, a new neighbour moved in, and apparently, <laughs> apparently they complained to the farm because the cows, can you believe this? The cows, uh, when they were you know, giving birth, having their, their little cows, they were making a noise. <laughs> and people were moaning because the cows were making a noise when they were giving birth. Oh, we didn't move here to that. We moved here for the countryside. Well, you moved next to a farm, you idiot. <laughs> And they're moaning about the... Oh, dear me. There was someone that moved. Near Trisha's school, when she was young, they built a block of flats right next door to the school. So, of course, they built the flats. Everyone moved in. And then the people in the flats were moaning at the school. Can you keep the kids quiet at playtime? Can you tell them to stop shouting and screaming? Idiots, if you move next door to a school, what do you expect? I like hearing kids anyway. I like hearing kids having fun and laughing and shouting. It's great. We used to have a load in the street. They've all grown up now and not been replaced. <laughs> I don't know, been replaced. There were loads of them out there. In the summer, they'd put out a blanket on the pavement, you know, and they'd all get together and have a chat. It was great fun to, to see and hear them. So, yes, if you don't like the sound of school kids at the playground, don't live next door to a school. And if you don't like the smell of a farm, <laughs> a pig farm, <laughs> don't move next to a pig farm. Simples. When I said Trisha's uncle's neighbour, the neighbour was a good, what, 100 yards from his house. There were only two or three sort of houses around in that little bit, maybe four or five. So you don't have it sort of immediate neighbours. But uh, I don't know. I've, I've heard this story before, people moving near to the sea. And then they don't like the all the crowds that go down there in the summer. They park all around the roads and the sea. You know, the beach is all packed with people. Oh, we came here to see the view and wander down to the beach for a walk. What are all these people doing here? Well, they come down from London. They've always done that. From where I am on the coast, London is 
50 miles from here, directly north. Only 50 miles. You can get a train direct from Worthing to Victoria or a London Bridge. The drive up, you've got the A24 or the A, uh, A23, which is the M23, or most of it. It doesn't take long, so people drive down to the coast in the summer from London, as you would. You want to see the sea, have a swim, fish and chips at Brighton on the seafront there, nothing like it. Oh, there's something else happening soon. It's um, on the road, out the end of our road. I think there's a street market, fresh uh, fruit and vegetables. So that'll be good. We'll wander down to that. I think, I don't know whether they're closing part of the road for that. There is a kind of precinct bit where perhaps they're doing it there. But that'll be good. Just at the end of our road, wander down there, get some fresh fruit and vegetables. I want to grow my own vegetables and I won't bore you with that. Just quickly, we're going to have a raised bed no, not in the bedroom, <laughs> in the garden. You know, they call it a raised bed. And I've got to grow vegetables in there. The idea of it being raised is because I can't bend down anymore. If I get down on my knees to do all the vegetables on the ground, you know, plant them and do the weeding and the sorting out, I can't get up again because my back hurts and my knees give way. <laughs> so I'm going to make this raised bed idea so I can just stand there doing everything. And of course, slugs that eat everything in sight. We've just bought some marigolds. I like marigolds. We planted them. Half of them have gone. And when I say gone, I mean gone. All that is left is the stem. The leaves, the flowers, everything is gone. And there's just this stick poking out of the ground, about two inches long. That's all that's left. And it's such a shame because marigolds are nice. Our tomato plants are doing well. They're in the, well, they were in the sunshine. They're not now. They're in the wind and rain. But they were in the sunshine. They're doing well. Did I mention that? We've got Alicante, Moneymaker and Shirley, three varieties, all growing out there. We put them just under the patio roof. So they are protected a little bit from the British summer. <laughs> the wind, the rain, the cold, the doom and the gloom. Now we do have one or two nice days. They ought to make some, you know, with the genes and the genetic stuff, they ought to make tomato plants that grow within about a week and produce the, the fruit within about a week. So you can choose it. Right, we've got a couple of weeks of good weather Let's grow the tomatoes. It is a shame, though, in Britain, you know, the weather. It's a, it's a lovely country. We've got some lovely places to visit in the summer. But you can't plan anything because there'll be torrential rain and hail and lightning and all sorts of things going on. But never mind. I do like the four seasons. I like the difference. Mind you, they're beginning to mingle into one now. One kind of warmish, windy, wet <laughs> one long wet season. No, it's not quite that bad. But I do like the seasons. The winter, you come out of that into the spring. Things are growing. The flowers are coming up. Buds and things are, are sprouting. Do buds sprout? I expect so. Buds are budding. Then the summer, which is a good, I must be honest, you know, the summer is a good two weeks. <laughs> it should be several months. And then we get autumn and then back to winter again, of course. Which uh, The winter here, it's not too bad. It's only about nine months long. No, it's not really that bad. <laughs> it just seems that bad. I've just had a, a bit of a break to have my lunch, a very light lunch. When I went to the Isle of Wight, would you believe I put on half a stone? Half a stone. I can't believe Six pounds? No, seven pounds, isn't it? Half a stone. I couldn't believe it when I got back and weighed myself. Stone the crows. Yes, yeah, stone, literally stone the crows. So I've been on a sort of diet, well, not a sort of diet, on a fairly strict diet all this week and all last week. I've lost that half stone. 
In fact, I've lost a half stone and an extra pound. So that's good. Things are looking good. And I must admit, I am feeling better for it. Sometimes we, for lunch, we've had salad, a small salad, you know, a little, little bit of cheese, where normally I'd have a load of grated cheese all over all over the salad. It's It's been good. You know, it's it's working. That's the point. It's working. Very often after lunch or after the evening meal, I, I think, well, I'm a bit hungry. I could do with some more, but I don't. I've been very good. I only have a couple of beers at weekends anyway. I don't drink in the week. So I, I haven't cut down on that. I think, was it last weekend? I had three bottles of real ale over the entire weekend. Well, that's all right. It's a treat, isn't it? Got to have something. <laughs> Got to have a little bit of fun. No, seriously, it's not good drinking during the week. I don't think anyway. I was going to say during the working week. I, I'm retired, obviously, so I don't work. But even so, funnily enough, talking of alcohol, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, they've just gone off on holiday. Where have they gone? Sicily. And we were talking about, I think the plane, I forget which airline they went with, but they were told if you want anything to eat on the plane, bring your own food because they're not, for whatever reason, they're not doing food on the plane. I have often wondered, I know some of you will disagree, I don't know. I've often wondered why, especially on a short trip, what was it to Sicily from here? Three hours, 20 minutes? Uh, Spain is what, two and a half hours? When we did Cyprus, it was four and a half hours. Normally early morning flights. Do people really need alcohol on the plane? When we got to, <laughs> when we got to Gatwick Airport a few years ago when we went off, where was it last time? Portugal, I think. Four o'clock in the morning, we're at Gatwick Airport. There are people drinking pints of beer at four in the morning. Good grief. I got a beer for breakfast. There's nothing worse. <laughs> I don't know why people have to have alcohol on the plane. And on trains, they used to have a bar, didn't they, on the train? They had a bar where they sold alcohol. I don't know whether they do that now or not. But why do you need beer or wine or alcohol of any sort on a train? I don't understand that. And of course, going on holiday abroad, what we've always done is hire a car at the far end. So I, I couldn't have a drink on the plane anyway, because I'm driving. But there we are. They went off. They, <laughs> I think they took a couple of sandwiches or whatever, a few biscuits to have on the plane. I think they serve coffee and tea. It's just that they weren't doing food. You don't really need food on the plane. I did say to them, have breakfast at Gatwick, which they were going to do. It's only three hours, 20 minutes till you get to Sicily where you can have something else to eat if you're starved. I'm always starved. So I don't know. I don't know why they have to have food on planes if, when you're just nipping down the road. I wonder whether... Does that happen in America? Because my son lives in America. He's always nipping from state to state on aeroplanes. I must ask him, or perhaps one of you would email me. I know we have several listeners in America. Do they serve food on the plane? You know, if you're popping over from, say, I don't know, California to Texas on a plane or wherever, do you have food and alcohol and stuff? I don't know. So there we are. That's my rant <laughs> about planes. No, alcohol, though, seriously. I remember when I smoked, you could smoke on planes years ago. When I first went to Spain, you had to sit at the back of the plane and everyone was smoking. Then they banned smoking on planes. And I remember a friend of mine, he said, oh, that's the end of my holidays. And I said, well, why, why is that? Because they banned smoking. You know, what do you mean? He said, well, I can't go for two and a half hours down to Spain without a cigarette. Can't go for two and a half hours without a cigarette. Oh, dear me. When you let cigarettes rule your life like that, it's time to give up. 
that's when I gave up. I remember we, we were, I can't remember where we were going, but I remember we were going somewhere and I wasn't able to smoke for a few hours. And I thought then, cigarettes have got the better of me. They rule my life. And I stopped. My father-in-law, he stopped decades ago when they got to, I think he said it was three shillings a packet. <laughs> that's going back a bit. When they got to three bob a packet, he said, that's it, I'm not spending that. Do you know what they are now? I read somewhere the other day, they're between eight and ten pounds for 20 fags. Can you, oh, I'm not allowed to say fags. <laughs> oh dear, politically incorrect, love it. No, for 20 fags, I think they're between eight and ten pounds. And no doubt some of the better brands, some of the you know, more posh brands, if you can call cigarettes posh, are probably even more than that. Good grief, you smoke 40 fags a day, 20 pounds a day on cigarettes. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Absolutely unbelievable. I am so glad I gave up. Talking of drinking, a friend of mine was alcoholic. It killed him in the end. He was only in his 60s, uh, sadly. Uh, Brian, his name, bless him. I never looked down upon him at all because he was alcoholic. I, I never lectured him or anything like that. He used to have a glass of vodka when he woke up by the bed. He told his wife it was water, a half pint glass of vodka. He really was a proper alcoholic, a functioning alcoholic. He was able to communicate with people. You know, he wasn't, he didn't let himself go totally. I felt sorry for him because it was, as he said, it was a disease. He, he said to me, it's a disease. He said, I've got it and I can't get rid of it. He didn't know how to stop. He got into it because he was a musician and all the musicians would, uh, you know, the orchestra, they'd all have a drink in the bar afterwards after whatever they'd done, the show or whatever. And it went from there. Just drink more and more. You get used to it, drinking every night, start drinking lunchtime and then, of course, start drinking in the morning and then it's alcoholic. So it's the same with smoking. I don't I don't look down upon someone because they smoke and they, they say, well, I can't give up. I've got to carry on smoking. It really is difficult to give up. They reckon smoking is more addictive than uh, heroin, being addicted to heroin. Smoking is more addictive. So it is difficult to give up. I did it. I had a great deal of support from friends and family. And also I went to the doctor and I told him I want to give up. And he said, right, we have a nurse that holds this no smoking thing clinic. And they put me on Champix. Uh, I think I've mentioned this before. I won't bore you with all that, but if you want to give up smoking, go and ask your doctor for Champix and see what he says. It really did work for me. Fantastic. I was only on it for, you meant to be on it for three months. I was only on it for a month and a half and I stopped taking the, the tablets and the nurse said, you can't do that. And I said, well, I've stopped smoking. So, and I've never, never looked back. So that's good. But yeah, Brian, bless him. He was a lovely chap. But uh, he passed away when I went to see him in hospital just before he, he died. He, he just didn't look like the same person. Awful. All his organs and that. Anyway, we don't want to worry about that. Bless him. That was a long time ago. Hopefully he's in a better place now. Anyway, talking about aeroplanes, I'm never flying anywhere again. Trish and I have agreed we don't want to go abroad again. Can't be bothered with it. All the airport business, the queuing up and the, the luggage and the waiting at the gate. I, I just can't be bothered. Then you get on the plane and they'll say, uh, there's a bit, of, a bit of a delay. Well, how long is a delay? An hour later. Yeah, sorry about this. Uh, we hope to get a slot to take off soon. And I have heard of people, they've been sitting on the plane for three hours. Now you expect, <laughs> you expect to sit on it for three hours if it's up in the air flying, but not when it's still on the ground at Gatwick Airport. 
Anyway, yeah, I'm not flying again. I, I can't be bothered with it all. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't want to go abroad. If there was a, a teleport system like a Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty. If I could go down the road to our local teleporter, go in there and say, right, I want to go to Spain. Yep, OK, five pounds. <laughs> five pounds. Stand in the teleport machine. A second later, you're stepping out of the teleport machine, the other end, somewhere in Spain, into the sunshine and sangria. <laughs> Do you remember sangria? It was awful. I did read what it was. It's wine and something. Is it fortified? No, that's port. It's fortified wine. I don't know. Anyway, sangria, <laughs> it's dreadful stuff. It's like alcoholic Ribena with a horrible taste. But if there was a teleport system like that, I wouldn't mind going. And of course, the other thing, I mean, Gatwick is only, what, 30 miles up the road from me. Not much further than that. If you go by train, you've got to lug all your cases round to the station. <laughs> if you drive, which doesn't take long at all to drive to Gatwick from here, you've then got to pay for parking, which is a rip-off. Well, it was a rip-off last time I went. It cost a fortune. So I don't know. It's getting to the airport and getting back from the airport. All the stuff in the airport. Anyway, don't worry about all that. I'm only going to the Isle of Wight in future. <laughs> But a teleport system would be good. Can you imagine you go into the, the teleport shop and say, right, uh, where do you want to go, sir? Um, Sydney, please, Australia. Yep, there we are. Step in there. And within a second, you're stepping out and you're in Sydney. Do you think that will ever happen? No, <laughs> neither do I. <laughs> Just been up to the tip with a load of uh, car load of rubbish. I don't know where all this rubbish comes from. Honestly, the roads, the potholes. I won't go on about that because this isn't a pothole episode, but stone the crows, the state of our roads in this country, absolutely abysmal. The weather's not much better than the roads, that's abysmal as well. Anyway, platinum, plat I can't say it, platinum jubilee, platinum num num jubilee for the Queen coming up. Talking to some neighbours this morning about that. It's the next day now, by the way. We've moved on 24 hours. <laughs> Neighbours are all looking forward to it as we are. Oh, by the way, a bit of news. You know, I've just got back from the Isle of Wight, uh, our week over there, which was rather nice. Uh, middle daughter contacted us last night. Do you want to go to the Isle of Wight for a week? Um, her and her boy, our grandson, who's now seven. So, of course, our immediate response was, yep, we're up for that. Let's go. <laughs> so we're going there in July. I think uh, they're booking that today, I think. Uh, I leave that to Trish and and daughter, I don't get involved in things. I do the driving. So that would be great. Another week in the Isle of Wight. Well, I think this one's five days, not quite a week. Really looking forward to that. Just going back to street parties. I was thinking in the night when I was there awake, looking out of the window. I do that. I don't draw the curtains. I like to see the sky. The sky at night, Patrick Moore. Do you remember that? That was great. He was a brilliant chap. And I was, now I forget what I was thinking. Oh, that's right. I was thinking about street parties in the old days, I have a recollection, a vague recollection, well not vague, when I was about eight, I think I must have been seven, eight or nine, there was a street party down the road, not in our road, but the, the road at the end of our road. I remember hearing a lot of kids and stuff going on and music and I wandered down there to have a look. In those days when you're eight years old, you could wander off down the road and you didn't have to worry. And I remember going down there and there's all these kids. What it was, was someone's birthday party, a child's birthday party. And I remember standing there looking and thinking, oh, wow, look, they've got jelly and ice cream. I don't know whether they closed the road, but there were tables and chairs and 
bunting, all sorts of things, just for a child's birthday party, which I thought was quite amazing. My birthday parties were a bit of jelly and ice cream at home with a couple of friends round. <laughs> no, they're actually better than that. But this lady saw me, this large lady. This was the 50s, bear in mind. She had this big apron, like a big penny, and a headscarf. They wore headscarves in those days. Like, um, oh, what is it? I can't think of anyone on the telly. Nora Batty, possibly. <laughs> anyway, she said to me, you haven't got a drink, dear. And she gave me a fizzy drink. Then she said, come and sit at the table. Don't stand there. She thought I was one of them. So I sat at the table. I knew one or two of the kids from school. And, you know, we're chatting away. And I was served with jelly and ice cream and bits of cake or whatever, whatever else they had. Terrific. And I remember going home, must have been about an hour later. My mum said, all right, what have you been up to? Been over the woods? I said, no, I've been down the road. There's a party. And she said, a party? I heard some music. I said, yeah, it's a birthday party. And I said to her, I sat at the table and I had jelly and ice cream and cake and drinks. She said, but you weren't invited. I said, yes, I was. This big lady said, sit down. <laughs> so I was invited. So I do remember that one. I think in those days, in the 50s, neighbours were more, I won't say more friendly, because the neighbours in our road are terrifically friendly. It's fantastic. But I think back then, neighbours, I don't know, oh, how can I put it? You know what I mean. They weren't in and out of each other's houses continually borrowing cups of sugar, as people seem to think it was like in those days. It wasn't like that. But there were more sort of community things going on, like the, the birthday party for the child in the street. I know I'm always banging on about the old days and how I prefer the 50s and 60s to these days. And I don't know, as I've said before, the older I get, the more I wish I could go back to those times. In the 50s, we didn't have a lot of money. People didn't always have a car. People didn't have a telephone. Very often people didn't even in the 50s didn't even have a television. All you had was a radio. Everyone had a piano, of course. <laughs> so people had very little money, but they seemed happier. Is that the way to put it? Yeah, they seemed content. They weren't continually, I want this, I want that all the time. And they've got to get a, a better whatever, a better car than someone else. And, oh, look, they got that car, we haven't. People didn't have cars. Well, few did, but uh, a lot of people didn't have a car. As I say, no television. Even in the 60s, I remember friends of mine, uh, you know, we worked in the radio and TV shop. I remember friends of mine saying their parents haven't got a telly. And that's the 60s when colour TV came in. When was that? 67, I think, colour TV. It wasn't such a... Uh, to use that word, a rat race. It wasn't such a, a rat race back then. I suppose the cars that were on the road didn't have the acceleration that they do now, didn't have the top speed that they do now. So people <laughs> people couldn't race around in their cars going from one place to another. There weren't supermarkets. You pop over your local shops. It was all quieter. London was a lovely place. I used to love going up to London when I was a kid. Didn't often do it, but we did have relations. My cousins, I don't know where, but somewhere in the middle of London, my cousins lived up there, my mum's sister. Uh, we'd go up there and see them sometimes. Uh, the, the cousins took me round to the ice factory. I remember that. Come and see the ice factory. I'd never heard of such a place. It was just down the road from where they lived. And there's this huge kind of warehouse place, massive blocks of ice they were making. I remember standing there and thinking, wow, look at this, this is fantastic. <laughs> they showed me a few other things. And I really enjoyed going to London. 
But now I don't want to. I don't want to go to London at all. I'm just too old, I suppose. I'll go to the Isle of Wight instead. <laughs> there we are. But I do, looking back, I do prefer the 50s in many, many ways. That's enough ranting and moaning, uh, Victor Meldrewing from me. I shall see you all on Wednesday with a midweek message. Don't forget to email me, raiserants at protonmail.com. Look after yourselves. Take care. Bye-bye for now.